But I hate when I feel like this And I never hated you Neurotica is a weekly podcast going to the deepest, darkest parts of the mind and bringing them to light. Topics range on mental illness, behavior, and perception, and more. Please be warned, many episodes contain trigger warnings. If you ever have thoughts of suicide, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. And we're back. Welcome to Neurotica. We had a little bit of a break for the last two weeks because I was on vacation and I planned to enjoy it, so I was not recording. Uh, on today's podcast, I'm very excited because we're going to talk a little bit about relationships. Now, it's kind of easy to understand how relationships and mental health go hand in hand. When you're dating someone, it's very much like going up to them with your psyche and saying, here, hold this and don't drop it. Uh, so there's a lot of situations where a relationship could be very uplifting or even save your life if you're in a really dark place, but it could also be traumatic and heartbreaking. And another interesting thing about relationships that I realized, and this is talking about more of the behavior side of what the podcast is about, is you could move on from something, you could be processing it, but the people around you might not break that connection the same way that you do. Or you might be in a relationship and it ends that you processed it, but the other person hasn't, and leaves like kind of an awkward situation. So, with that in mind, I want to introduce my guest today is to the podcast. How are you doing, Is? I'm doing great. I'm honored to be your first guest back on after your brief hiatus. Yeah, my little vacation. And I, I'm happy to have you on because this is a wider conversation itself, but you're like the first person I met through Twitter. So, you're partly responsible for unleashing me on Philly Twitter. You're welcome. I don't know if that's a you're welcome thing or people should blame you. Um, But, you know, I wanted to have you on because, you know, we met through that. And then, like, I didn't know if I was going to be friends with this group. And now I have a lot of relationships with these friends. But you also know I've gone through some odd situations and relationships. I mean, I was heartbroken when I entered the group. And now I'm in a new relationship. And you're actually dating Bobby, who is the second guest on the show ever. Yes. Yeah, so there's a little bit of rivalry here. You two are battling for... You're always battling for Twitter Uh, position a little bit. Definitely not a rivalry, because, I mean, I've... Well, he just reached 1,000 followers, but I've been there for a while. So I think think if you polled, like, Twitter, Philly Twitter, most would probably say that I'm the better tweeter than he is. Yeah, he he throws out some weird things, and I'm kind of curious how your relationship navigates some of Bobby's tweets specifically. (sighs) It's... It's honestly kind of hard. Like, there are really some days where I honestly kind of wish that he wasn't a part of the Twitter world. Like, if I'm being... I mean, he knows this. It's fine. If I'm being totally honest, because I went from being in um, a serious relationship, two-year relationship with someone who wasn't into social media, didn't post on Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, anything like that, to suddenly only dating guys that I met on Twitter. Yeah. And I, I think that was, like, one of the things that, like, I kind of heard about you through the grapevine is, like, you dated a couple guys through Twitter, which I don't think's oh, a problem. Talking. But I don't think that's a problem at all because it's, like, that's where our lives are moving. I mean, I met my current girlfriend through Tinder, which she tells her parents still, you know, we met at a bar. But, like, yep. you know, 
what's the difference between swiping right on somebody you don't know versus somebody you actually interact with daily sometimes and you get to know them and you like their sense of humor, which is big. Like you guys met in a way that I think is a little bit more organic than a lot of the ways that relationships go now. Like, you know, just sliding in someone's DMs with a dick pic is like the number one way guys are hitting on girls these days. Like, but actually tweeting at them and like opening up a conversation, I think makes a little bit more sense. And it's worked for not just you and to a degree me, but like our so other friends. Not, yeah. And not even just in Philly. Like Bobby and I have so many friends from Twitter who live in other parts of the country, who live in Portland, who live in California, like different parts of California, just different parts of the country. And it's really crazy to think that it goes beyond just your own inner circle in your own city, but it really is a very common thing in lots of different parts. Yeah, and I've seen even a long-distance relationship kind of sparked by Twitter somewhat, which yeah. is like you would never think that before. It's like I, I know there's people who have had pen pals and stuff like that, but I never would have thought like two people could meet in that way and still had a distance between them, but still, you know, Twitter kind of unites them a little bit. It was a little bit of video games mixed in. Our friends know about that story. But, yeah, so I thought that was, you know, an interesting thing when I heard that about you. I was like, this episode I had in my mind for a bit, I was like, I think Iz would be a good person to talk about. When I mentioned it to you, you seemed pretty excited. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even today on Twitter you were tweeting about something. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Oh, yes. (laughs) Related to relationships. Yes. I'm going to try to make this a little PG because I do work with children. So, you know, but um, someone had tweeted about the worst person who they had slept with, like the worst guy, and just listed all of these crazy, awful things about him. Like, he owned more than one harmonica. (laughs) I mean, if you own one harmonica, like, that's crazy enough as it is. But two is, like, really, really insane. But just, like, he was a very weird person, something about, like, he wore strange clothes and, like, a weird hat guitar, harmonica, like all kinds of strange things. So he was in Blues Traveler is what yes, you're saying. Yes, essentially, yes. Um, and so I, I looked at that and I was like, that's really interesting. Like if people did a series of tweets of like the worst kind of guy that they ever slept with. Um, and so I quote tweeted it and I described the worst guy who I had ever slept with. Um, yeah, it was, you know, back in college, recently single Isabel, made some poor decisions as, as we all do. As we tend to do, yes. Um, and this was a guy who, you know, he he had to ask more than once. And back then, I thought that was okay for guys to do. You know, um, I obviously I was uncomfortable with it, and I had said no multiple times, but he asked again and again until finally I said yes. And at the time, I didn't really think that was that big of a deal. I just figured, you know, guys do that all the time. It is what it is, whatever. Like, eventually I said yes, so I guess that means I consented. But now, you know, I think people in general are more aware. I think women are more empowered to realize that, no, that's not really consent at all. And, you know, it's it's okay. It, it happened a few years ago. It's, it's not something that's, like, particularly traumatic for me, but definitely something that I look back on and, and think to myself, you know, I wish I could have told myself back then that you really didn't have to do that, and that wasn't an okay situation. Yeah, it's not, okay, keep breaking down the locks. Like, even I've gotten advice, you know, the old school advice, like, women like persistence. I'm like, I don't think they do. Yeah, no. This is, you either, you know, click right away or you don't. Like, wearing somebody down, like, that's not the way to go about it. And 
I gotta say, I, I probably was a guy in college doing the same thing, and I'm not proud of that. I can't even remember a specific time, but that's mostly because, you know, I didn't hear about consent till I got to college. Mm-hmm. And I know that's, like, a whole bag of worms we could be opening, like, but, you know, I've said this long, like, for a while, like, we need to start sex ed earlier, which I don't think is, like, a, too novel of an idea, but it needs to be focused on different things. Like, we go into sex ed and... You know, it's like the girls go into their room and learn the girl stuff. The guys go in their room, guy stuff, and they get a little bit older and they start teaching together. But, you know, we're not even teaching the right things. Like, people think sex ed. Like, no, why do you teach children about sex? I'm like, no, like, somebody who's four years old needs to start learning the concept of your body versus their body. Yeah. Like, there's always that concept of good touch, bad touch. But, like, you can't just rely on somebody just having the intrinsic, intrinsic like, idea of you shouldn't touch me at four years old. You have to teach him, like you know, what consent means on a broader scale. Right. Um, And consent doesn't always have to be sexual. So like I mentioned, I work in a middle school and teaching our students, um, especially our young male students about consent is so, so important, especially at that age, at 13 years old, at 14 years old. And it's something that can be in little teachable moments. Like when we see boys in the hallway trying to hug girls or touch girls or like pull on their hair and it's something that they're not comfortable with, that in of itself is a moment where you can kind of talk to them about why that's not okay. Why even though you're teasing, you still might have made somebody else feel uncomfortable. And that in of itself is, I think, a really good way to start teaching um, young girls and young boys about consent. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is the girls are ahead of the guys and it's, it's no question of it. I don't think anybody would disagree with me, but that's how, you know, keeping it back to the mental health theme of the podcast, that's how we got the incel generation. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a big thing right now. I mean, I've known about it for about a year or two, but it's picking up traction in these incels, quote unquote, and you can say they're all right or not, but that I'm sure they're on all sides because there's a little bit of that you know, left this guy, like, I'm woke, why won't you sleep with me? But at the end of the day, like, these guys are starting to kill people over this. They think they've been wronged, so the women are finally fighting back for what's theirs, and there's just the, the power struggle of the guys, and I mean, that's kind of what America's going through on all bases right now, but, you know, there's these guys who are like, why won't these women sleep with me? It's like, well, what are you offering them? They're allowed to say no, like, you say yes for something you're excited about that's great it's not about just breaking down a wall until somebody's like oh finally yeah i'll have sex with you like that's not what it should be right and i know even my own guy friends and myself like you know we're quote unquote woke now but like i there's still things i wish i knew there's things that i wish i could have like went back to college me and stopped myself and college we're all a little bit of a mess like i get it but you know that's stuff that you start on early and you might not think of sex ed is mental health, but that's probably, you know, the biggest mental health thing that is being lacking in our country right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I completely agree with that. And I do think that, like I said, when you start at a young age, if you let that kind of behavior where at first it's just like innocent touching without permission and like hugging without permission, it sounds goofy to tell kids like you should ask permission before you hug your friend or, you know, before you, I don't know, hold their hand. But it's simple, but it really is something that teaches those building blocks of consent and the importance of consent. Certainly. And I mean, it's always like the parents are like, oh, it's so cute. They hug the kids. Like, 
you're encouraging bad behavior, <laughs> yeah. but I get it. Like, it's just, it's a whole, and there's a lot of people resistant. There's, you know, back in my day, people, and it, it gets hard. Um, but yeah, I, so this guy was doing that with you and yes, it was a different, <laughs> we were a different part of the, the me too phase. It, it wasn't really, it wasn't. A thing. Right. Right. Um, I think the important thing is that at least like you, you know, you acknowledge back when I was in college, I, I definitely didn't think it was that big of a deal either. Like it's, it's good to at least acknowledge that, you know, you've changed and your mindset about that has changed. Um, for this guy, you know, I don't know. Um, well, it was apparently the, the consent thing wasn't his only downfall, right? Yeah, it was. Ooh, yeah. So before all that happened, um, I had to actually sit down at his desk and read a novel that he had written. He was like one of those English major creative writing guys who thought he was going to write the next great American novel. So I actually had to sit down and read a novel that he was writing based on his own childhood. Oh, God. Um, it was, like, I really kid you not, this is what I had to do. I had to sit there in my underwear and read it, and, you know, I'd read, like, a couple pages, and he would ask for some feedback. Oh, God. <laughs> Even as somebody who records a podcast, which is very much, like, centered on me in a lot of ways, like, that makes me sick. Like, because, <laughs> like, I think the thing is, too, is, like, it's not that he had a novel and was excited for you to read it, like... It was, like, his thesis project, like... Yeah, like... <laughs> oh, my God, that, I mean, that was just really the most... And then I, I mean, you know, I ended up writing a short story about it for one of my classes in college, so I guess there's a, a silver lining there. Yeah. I got some inspiration out of it to write myself, but it was definitely one of the strangest interactions with a guy I have ever had, <laughs> and that's really saying something. Well, and I think that kind of highlights another interesting thing, and this is something that, you know, my therapist highlighted to me I never thought about, is no relationship generally is balanced at any one time. But it doesn't mean that one person holds power all the time. I think the rule of thumb is usually the person that cares least has the most power. But, you know, like, you and Bobby have been dating for a while, and there's sometimes, like, you're down if he has to pick you up, and then vice versa. Like, you do that for each other. You, you know, fill in the holes, and when you're on that scale, like, you know, one of you's really weighed down, the other person's supposed to be a little bit lighter, and then there's other times where you're both kind of down, and that's when relationships are in the most trouble. Uh, but that's where that dynamic is really interesting, is when you're just not on the same page as somebody else. Mm. And I think, you know, when it comes to Twitter, it, it can get a little murky, but that's something that's existed forever. Like, it's just, it's always a thing, and, you know, so many relationships just end because you know, one person's not feeling it and the other person just freaks them out by saying, I love you too soon or something like that. So it, it's kind of funny to me, you know, I had friends who would go on like the first date and the first date they're like, I'm not feeling it. And I was like, unless it went horribly wrong, there's no way after the first date you could know. In some cases, yeah. I think in other cases though, sometimes it's just, like there could be dates that don't go horribly wrong and they're okay, but that doesn't, necessarily well i maybe i was a little strong that i think there's times when you're like okay our personalities just don't mesh well yeah but i i had these like friends they would go on like so many first dates and that's all it was and a lot of times they would end in sex which it's consensual fine whatever like ah you know i i just i was really excited for this date and i thought it went really well but just not really into like going on a sick date i'm like i think you're just you know building this like princess in your head and she's not that and if you just went on the second date, you'd notice. And then I said that to one of my friends. He goes, 
you're right, man. Because I was like, you were really excited about this one girl. And he's like, you're right, man. I'm going to text her right now. I was like, I didn't say that. <laughs> and then he texted her. And then he's like, oh, man, I really don't want to go to the second date. I was like, I literally never told you to in- that specific girl. And then he ended up canceling on her again. I was like, dude, you're a dick, man. Like, if you're going to do that, just at least follow through on it. But it, it was just a funny situation. Like, that's, you know, the, the power difference is he doesn't really care. So he holds his power because you're, you're a little bit looser when you don't care. Yeah, definitely. And I... I thought it was really interesting what you were saying about miscommunications in relationships um, and how you can be on one page and for no matter how many years you've been dating, your partner can be on a totally different page. I mean, Bobby and I just moved in together a couple of months ago, which was a a huge step in our relationship. Yeah, of course. Um, And it's been a very rough past couple of weeks for me. And I'm not a person who typically struggles with mental health issues, um, but for the first time, I think really ever in my life, I was feeling very, very down, like very down on myself. And I couldn't figure out why I had no idea why it was like, I'm, I'm doing fine at work. Bobby and I are finally living together. I I didn't know what it was. And, um, one night I was kind of just like in the kitchen crying and Bobby asked me why. And I just unloaded like all of these things on him that he had no idea was going on with me. Just saying, I feel like I spend a lot of time in the apartment. I'm either at work or I'm in the apartment. I feel like we now live together, but we don't spend as much time together as we did when we weren't living together. And the time that we do spend together now, like, isn't as special because we have so much of it, which sounds crazy. But, you know, and I remember people had have said before, like, oh, moving in with your significant other is like a sleepover with your best friend every single night. Right. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah, butterflies and unicorns. So I I was so excited. I was ready for all the sleepovers. And it's it's not like that right away. It's not. Um, It's tough for no matter how many years you've been dating and no matter how often you spend time together. When you move in together, it is a huge difference in your relationship. And Bobby had no idea that I was feeling this way, you know, because Bobby's the kind of guy who, like, he'll sit in the living room, I'll be in the bedroom, and he'll be like, yeah, whatever, it's a typical night. Yeah. But I'll be in the bedroom thinking to, like, freaking out internally, thinking to myself, why aren't we sitting next to each other right now? Why aren't we talking? There must be something wrong with us. And so even though we've been together for about two and a half years, it it was interesting to see that like we were t- on totally different um, wavelengths when it, when it came to that. Yeah. And I, I kind of resonate with that myself, even though I've never really had like a really long, long-term relationship where I have these troubles communicating how I feel because sometimes insecurity makes other people just as insecure. Like you're not feeling it. Then they start to question like, is this worth it? You know, keep me around. And one of these issues I especially have, and I this is true with friends even, I have trouble saying no. Mm-hmm. But I assume, like, any one fight, any one time I, I say, I, I can't come out tonight, that's going to be it. Like, I, I always feel like things, when it comes to relationships, like, as much as I talk about gray area and everything else, it's like black or white. Like, if I'm not in, they're going to be out. And it, it's scary for me to date because, like, when I'm the person who's up, I'm like, no, like, th- this is bad. Like, you must be delusional. And when I'm the person who's down, it's like, yeah, as soon as I make one mistake, you're gone. And the funny thing is, you know, I can be in a relationship and I can be that one day and the next day could be completely different. Like, and that's why, you know, I have trouble even convincing myself to date because I think, like, I'm a chore to date. And it gets hard. And I, and it's not really to make excuses. Like, hey, you cry for me. But, like, <laughs> you know, that's the mental health game I play. 
and it's interesting for you to say you've never really dealt with mental health, but you know, situations can come up where it just gets gets on you, and that's the thing about mental health. It's not like I, I think I read this yesterday. It's it's not like when you you know start to get a cold, you, you kind of feel it coming on for a couple of days, and you get the sniffles. Like mental health just hits you. Mm-hmm. And you were like, oh, you were like, I'm doing great, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, and then you're in your kitchen crying. You might have been feeling a little bit, but you didn't think you were going to have a breakdown. Right, absolutely. You just, just had a breakdown. And it, and it could be, I mean, for me at least, but I'm sure a lot of other people can relate, it can be triggered by anything. Like, let's say a leg on our coffee table breaks, or we didn't find the right size container for our silverware drawer yet. It, it was, it'd be little things like that. That in this time in my life, when with a new position at my place of work and moving in with Bobby, there were so many little stresses that just like one tiny thing that didn't go exactly as I had planned would kind of make me freak out a little bit and have like that anxiety attack. Yeah, I think it probably plays into that like you were looking forward to this move, so you, you kind of build something in your head. You do, yeah. It's, it's similar to me. I just went on vacation and um, I got cranky. And I just get cranky on vacations because I'm like away from home, anxiety and stuff like that. And, um, my girlfriend will probably listen to this and she'll get mad at me or <laughs> she'll rub it back into my face. But I got mad on the last day because she was sending me Snapchats, like saying like, man, I would love some chocolate chip pancakes or strawberries right now. And I, I was not going to go out and get them. We had food that we were going to eat. And I brought that up to her that I was like really frustrated. And she's like, you're mad at me. I'm like making a joke. I sent it to a bunch of my friends. They're just like a bunch of Snapchats. And she's like. You're mad at me for chocolate chip pancakes with strawberries? And I was like, <laughs> at the end of it, I was like, I thought you meant chocolate chip strawberry pancakes, but I don't know what those are. Just, you're the only person who thought that. I was like, you know what? I'm being a dick. Like, because for me, like vacation, I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta relax and I gotta, but I also gotta do all these things and I build vacation up in my head. Like, yeah, well, I'm gonna go to like 10 different restaurants and I'm gonna try all these new dishes. And then it gets to vacation, like, well, I'm going to sleep until 11 every day. And then, like, it's it's just another one of those things where it's like, you know, for you, you're moving in with somebody you knew really well. I went on vacation with, we only been dating for like two months. And, you know, you think one thing and she just thought, yeah, I'm having a great time on vacation. Nothing's wrong. And I'm like, these goddamn pancakes. And it's just, it's just a stupid thing. It and we talked about it, and yeah. we're fine. And I owe her pancakes now, and I'm <laughs> going good. to I'm going to do it. And I I feel really bad about it, but like also like that's me on vacation. Like I did it with my friend in Montreal last year. I went to London by myself, and that was actually one of my better vacations. I didn't have to take it out on, but like, I woke up the days depressed because I was like I'm here alone. And then the, by the night, I was having a great time. So. That's obviously says a lot more about me than <laughs> relationships and mental health, but it they do interact. And for somebody who has mental health issues, relationships are the scariest thing. It's like, for me, it's always the only two options are I'm going to break a heart or get my heart broken. But that's not always true. Like, you have interactions with people that are just kind of mad interactions. And that guy you were talking about, like, he didn't break your heart, but at the same time, you're just like, what the fuck's this guy's yeah, deal? Like, definitely a what the fuck kind of situation. And... You know, there have definitely, I've been in relationships where we both knew it was going to end at a certain point, and we were okay with that, and it was, like, smooth sailing the whole time. Um, And, you know, that's different from relationships that I've been in where you don't assume there's an end point. Yeah. Until one of you decides there is one. Yeah. I've also been in relationships where 
it was very clear that the person that I was dating just wanted a relationship. They were one of those people like mm-hmm. who needs a relationship. And it made me really standoffish. Like she wanted me to be the boyfriend, like the typical boyfriend. She got mad at me because I didn't send LOL or emojis in my text. She like took me to a party full of nobody I knew, like ran off to like say hi to some people as soon as we got there. And then came up to me later. It was like, all my friends are their boyfriends and they got their arms around each other. It's really cute. And I can't find you. I'm like, I don't know where I am. Like, <laughs> and it was a very frustrating relationship and I ended it and she seemed devastated. I was like, I don't know how you didn't see this coming. Like there was not a spark here. There was a expectation on both sides of like me just being like a dumb college guy. Like, yeah, we'll hang out, have some sex and eat some bad pizza. And she's like, you, I, you got to go to my sorority thing and you got to be the sorority boyfriend. See, I get, I totally, totally get where she's coming from. And I think a lot of guys have that perspective, especially in college when there's just, you know, endless amounts of people that you can hook up with. Just, yeah, it's, it's incredible how different it is in college. And it's incredible <laughs> how few of them I hooked up with. <laughs> like literally, like it's just, this is like buffet of people and I'm like I'm just gonna go to the salad bar by myself but it's I when you say like you were so confused by that really by how upset she was because you were just like this dumb college guy just wanting to have sex like I I feel like that's so relatable for so many women in college and definitely in some of my own experiences dating in college dating guys outside of college where I wanted something more And maybe I had a feeling that the guy didn't, or maybe the guy just wasn't a clear enough communicator. And again, that goes back to communication. Like, what you think might have been clear and obvious sounds like it was nowhere near. Yeah, and I understand in the end, like, I was the shit. Like, I get it. But, like, we we started off as, like, we're just fooling around. We're just, Mm -hmm. like, hookup buddies and we'll hang out. And, like, I kind of got, I don't want to say tricked into it, but, like, you know, she waited till one night I was drunk and told me, like, oh, your your friend's cousin just said, uh, said your boyfriend. And I, and I was like, what did you say? And she's like, no. And I was like, well, I, I guess I would say what. And then I, like, woke up the next day and went, like, oh, what did I do? That's smart. That's crafty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, like, it was either I'm going to say, like, you know, oh, that's fine. But, like, have, like, a little bit of my ego hurt that you're, like, proud of me or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I was obviously, you know, I was 20 years old, and that's not an excuse for my behavior, but I wasn't the guy I am today, and I don't like that person anymore. I mean, look, even guys who are, like, the serious boyfriend types can be total dicks. I mean, I think that, you know, anyone can be a total dick, but um, there's one thing in particular I remember. My, my very first serious, like, very serious relationship was when I was in college. We dated for two years, like, from freshman to junior year. And I ended up breaking up with him. Um, horrible, horrible breakup. Like, just... The Titanic went down. Yes, essentially. Like, he... And I, I was very awkward about it. Because um, <laughs> it was my first time doing a really serious breakup like that. Um, so, it, it was a very messy breakup. Very bad. And he actually said to me... And I, I don't think he intended for it to be as malicious as it sounded. But... What he said to me was, you're never going to find someone who loves you as much as I do. And that is something that I will always, like, I will take to my grave. I will always, always, always remember that he said that because, you know, for the next two or three years until I met Bobby, 
I really and truly believe that. And I, I freaked out so much that I was really never going to meet another guy who would love me unconditionally the way that he did, despite all of my flaws, despite everything that's wrong with me. He really did love me. And I was, you know, so convinced just going back and forth, like I should have stayed with him. We should get back together because I was really convinced that I wasn't going to find anybody else. And that that is one thing that I think he was saying to try and sound romantic, but it was just devastating for me to hear. Yeah, I had it exact same situation as that, a little bit different sentence. Like, it was the end. Like, we broke up and then got back together, like, twice in the span of, like, a couple of weeks, and it just, it was clear it was over. And she said, like, this really weird thing when we were snuggling was, like, I believe, she said, like, I feel like there's saran wrap between us. And I was like, is that the best analogy you could come up with? I was like, I don't even know what that means. It's pretty and decent analogy. I, I get her. I get women in your I get, I, I get, I get it now, past. but, like, <laughs> but then what she said that just completely crushed me was, like, she said, um, I, like, I wish I didn't love you, but I do. Hmm. And that was, like, fuck. Like, I'm a chore to be loved. Like, and it was, uh, that was one of those things I held on to. And when I dated the next girl that I was kind of a dick with, like, I was still a little hung up on that girl. And that's, that's another thing that mental aspect of it is just like, you think just dating somebody else is going to get you over it, but it, it's not. It's, but it's really funny when you get into that new relationship and everything is better. And you think back to that person where it's all washed away. Like, like I knew I was going to get over it eventually. Some nights I got down and said, well, maybe never, but, like, you're just fine now, but there is that thing in the back of your head, like, it could happen once, you. it could happen again, yeah, you exactly. know? exactly, yeah, it's, that guy lives two blocks away from me now, so that's fun. That's yeah. interesting. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> the girl that said the thing to me, like, we were in the same, we were went to high school together, yeah. and we were, essentially, it was the worst matchup ever for trying to get away from your ex, because my best friend was dating her best friend. And they, they're still dating. They're, they live together. They're probably married. But, like, we see each other every once in a while. But we're just in completely different places. And that's kind of the next thing that I wanted to talk about. This is the thing that really intrigues me. It's, like, her and I come together sometimes because we have mutual friends. And there's always this thing. Like, I, you know, sometimes people even ask, like, oh, man, she's here. Like, is that awkward? And I'm, like, no. People mentally connect you to whoever you dated no matter what. It's, like, no matter if you've moved on completely. It doesn't matter how you broke up. Like the world will always see you mentally as people who had sex, see each other naked, but also shared intimate moments and said, I love you. Like it's much harder for the outside to make that disconnect. And even though those people were with you, like, Oh, it'll get better. You'll move on. You'll find someone new else. And then you do get better. And they're like, they're like, Hey, is it weird? Yes. You got feelings still? Like it's that and I, I'm going to talk about my, this ex a lot. Cause he, He's, like, my only real serious ex um, yeah. before I met Bobby. But we had a really big friend group in college. Yeah. So when we broke up, it was really – it was awkward for the friend group. Like, he kind of split apart from us and hung out with his fraternity brothers a lot more. So he wasn't really a part of the big friend group anymore. But a lot of the times, I – often I would have my friends in the friend group say to me, like, oh, but you, you guys are going to end up together again. Like, you guys were always meant to be together. Like, why would you say something like that? Yeah. That's, and, um, even, like, even now, some, because, um, we're friendly with each other, so he's met some of my friends before now in the city, and yeah. I had one of my friends actually 
she like observed us talking for a little while and she actually said, Well, and she loves Bobby, you know, but yeah. while I was dating Bobby, she she said to me, I don't know, I feel like you guys are actually really good together. Like maybe you guys should actually be the ones together. And I'm like, it's just it's people I think like to romanticize that kind of stuff. That's yeah. just that's apart from them. And it's without really thinking about how kind of messed up it is for us to hear that. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where when the pressure's not on, of course you look fine together because you're just old friends catching up. Like, yeah. there was a part of my senior year where um, I had been bitter for so many years in college and about this breakup, and I didn't want to see her, and there was a lot of awkward situations. But I, like, swallowed my pride. I was like, I miss my friend. So we had this night where, like, she came over, and um, we pre-gamed a little bit and went to the bar and met our friends. And we were just back to our old ways, and, like, we would always, like, she would always, like, playfully hit me and stuff, and, like, we were probably doing, like, some dumb hand game or something. And my friends were like, are you on a date? I was like, no. But, um, but then I fell in love with her again. So that's my fault. Um, and <laughs> that, that got happened. awkward. Yeah, and it got <laughs> awkward, and it, you know, it put a mental strain on me. And that was the worst. It was just that I look back now, and, like, we were such a bad match, but mm-hmm. I just kept holding on to her because that was... You know, the one person that, you know, said, I love you and I believed it back. And as somebody who was dealing with a lot of mental health issues, there was always that comfort in the idea. Like, I really enjoy being with this person. Why can't I have that back? Because I was happy then. I'm not happy now. That's going to fix me. But that's not true. And, you know, I think that was the biggest thing I had to do to grow was no person is going to fix me. No one relationship is going to you know, turn everything around for me. Now you could be in a good relationship and that can really help you because you do have somebody there and that's great. But I have a lot in me that doesn't have anything to do with another person. I have a lot in me that does have a lot to do with another person I still need to work through. Um, but relationships, I mean, I'm sure there'll be plenty more podcasts where I'm talking about relationships because it's scary. It's scary for, you know, everybody. But when you're in your head with mental health, like, especially if you're somebody who's ever had suicidal thoughts, like the idea of having somebody you love and then maybe then blaming themselves, like that is the most like scary, overwhelming thought. And it's one of those things that's probably kept me from committing suicide when I had those really bad thoughts in the past. Like it's just, you're not going to write a suicide note that completely makes someone go, Oh yeah, he just killed himself because his brain's messed up. They're going to blame themselves. They're going to have survivor's guilt. You're going to leave a piece of you behind. And that's, just something that I think about even when I'm not in a relationship. Like, I'm on Tinder and I'm just, like, swiping. And I'm like, maybe we should swipe left because I might ruin this person's life. <laughs> oh, no. And every time I'm, like, ready to date again, I'm like, I'm ready to ruin someone's life again. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's let's get another train wreck going. Get but, ready, Tammy. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, she knows. I tell her. Um, but, yeah, and there there is some degree of, like, you know, everybody's got their shit, too, though. Like, there's people who have no mental health issues and they are chore to date because of just who they are. Um, so, but, like, it's always a question of, like, when are you really ready for, like, that big relationship? And there's not really a good answer for it. But I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but there are just some people I know. Like, they're never going to find anybody and they do their divorce. And there's the other people you're just like, how have they not found somebody yet? Hmm. I, mean, I think we all have a friend where, like, how did they not found somebody? But... It's weird to play that judge, jury, and executioner from an outside perspective, but I we all do it. We all judge. Like, and we think we know everything. Yeah. But of course, 
we're all fucking idiots, but... Yeah, we're like... We think we're all relationship experts. We think we know everybody's, like, penis size and how they are in bed, <laughs> but we also know how good they are snuggling, how considerate they are, how many times they're going to buy flowers, and we have no idea. Yeah, and that's that's something that I have to work on all the time in my relationship with Bobby because I, I'm definitely someone who always wants to... You know, I mean, I'll admit, I'm very hyper-aware of what other people think of me. It's, yeah. you know, we like to pretend that what other people think of us don't matter and we don't care about it, but... I think everybody cares what other people think about them. I was actually telling somebody, Bobby is the person I probably care too much about, like, what he thinks of me. Because when I upset Bobby, I get, like, really upset for some reason. Oh, no, you shouldn't. Trust me. Well, the thing about when when Bobby upsets me, and sorry, this is me and Bobby's dating relationship now. Yes. It's like, Bobby, I feel like, is kind of easygoing and silly, funny the way I am. But, like, when he is against you he's just very blunt about it it just takes you aback a little bit i'm just like bobby no i'm sorry bobby <laughs> he's definitely you know and that's one of the things i love about him he's he's a little bit sensitive he's very sure in his thoughts and his opinions and i think that's that he's not a wishy-washy person yeah for sure well i i love him to death and that's what i like about him is that like he will call me out on my shit and usually when he does like it's moments when i need to be called out um, I don't know if you have a similar experience, or you're just always right and he's always wrong. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I make fun of him a little bit. He'll he'll get, like, a little too woke on me. And I'll be <laughs> like, all right, calm down. Like, you were going to vote for Gary Johnson before we met, so re- relax a little bit, sir. Pulled out the <laughs> he's he's going to be mad at me for that. But. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, he's, honestly, seeing the way that he's grown and the way that we've grown together as a couple um, in the past almost three years, which is crazy to think has been really, really funny and amazing and fascinating to see. And I think that he's someone who's made me a more down-to-earth person, kind of like a less high-maintenance person. Um, he's definitely someone who's, you know, pushed me to go outside my comfort zone because he's a very social person, loves to go out all the time, loves to be around other people, and I that is so not who I am. And there have been nights when I've gone out with him and I really haven't wanted to because I've wanted to stay home and he's proven me wrong and he's shown me that, you know, I can, I'm capable of being more social and people of going out until all hours of the night and having a great time. So I love the fact that I'm, I'm with someone who even when I don't really want him to, he, he pushes me to, to go outside of my comfort zone and do those things that I don't always want to do. That was like a whole tangent, though. No, but, but I think that's <laughs> another great thing. I mean, that's mental in itself. It's like you're resisting that idea. And I mean, everybody's like been single and sees like a new movie coming out they want to see. And like, I wish I had somebody go with this or like me, like vacations. Like this is the first vacation I've actually been able to take with a girlfriend. In the past, it's always the timing just never worked out that I was dating someone and was going on vacation or like I, I even told... Um, Tammy this so like I've actually never dated someone during Christmas except for one person and she had her uh, mom buy me the gift so like it was the thing I wanted and she knew that but like she's not even the one intently bought it because we were like in college or something at the time and like it's weird for me that there's all these like big events and stuff that I've just never gone with somebody that I'm dating yeah and I like I had said before like I you know I'm, I'm I get worried about people judging me, um, and 
what I tend to do is no matter who I'm in a relationship with, I'll compare my relationship to other relationships. And it's really, it's, it's a horrible thing to do. You should not do it, but it, and it's something that I'm trying to work on, but sometimes I really can't help it. And so I'll, I'll compare the milestones that my friends have made with their boyfriends yeah. and compare it to me and Bobby. So Bobby and I, you know, we've moved at a pretty slow pace in our relationship and not because we wanted to, but because financially, you know, things were a little tough. And, um, I would see my friends who had been dating for less time than we were moving in together. And when one of my best friends moved in with her boyfriend after a year of dating and Bobby and I had been together for two years and we still hadn't moved in together yet, I like totally freaked out about it. And you know, it's funny because the only reason I was really freaking out about it was because my friend had done it with her boyfriend. Yeah. So I figure we should have been doing, we should have done that by now. Yeah. And it's, I, and you know, it happened at our own pace. It happened at the time that was right for us. And now I'm at a place where I'm very much okay with that because that was just what we needed for our own relationship. And, you know, we've been together for almost three years and we're going to take our first vacation together ever in October in three years that we'll have been together. Um, and you know, I was so hung up on all the vacations my friends were taking with their boyfriends. I was like, Oh, it's just something that we have to do because everyone else is doing it and people are going to think it's really weird if we're not doing it. And it sounds crazy when I say it out loud, but that is something that has really been, I think a very big barrier in our relationship is my, like, I don't want to say obsession, but just my concern with how other people see us because of my own insecurities. Well, I mean, like, there's a lot of, you know, breaking of the traditional nuclear family these days, but there still is that romanticism from TV, like, what a relationship should be, and some of that's led to, you know, the problems we have now, the the power struggle between men and women, where men are like, no, I just have to hold a boombox and up above my head and you're gonna love me it's like that's not how it works you don't need to go to iceland i can just do that (laughs) yeah um but like i think everything you're saying though is pretty common like people think things should go a certain way but when you enter a relationship like no matter how in tune you are there's no way you're gonna both see it the same way i think for even from me getting to know bobby like you know going from someone who was just like following both of you on twitter and getting to know him as a person and I've even seen growth from him and, like, excitement about things he wants to accomplish, but also his fears. Like, you know, I can see his side and see your side. And, like, but every time I see it, I was like, I think they're a really good match. And I think they'll talk through it. Um, whereas there's other people I know, it's like, you know, I'm, I worry about them. I'm, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should worry about you too. But I, I don't necessarily worry about it. And maybe I'm just too close to the situation and love you both so much. But like you know, I I'm I'm happy that you guys can work through it and you guys moving in together, especially because you're both close to me now. Like that was an exciting thing. Your housewarming was great, and it felt like I can't believe how popping that housewarming party was. I was shocked. And I really felt like you know I was talking to Bobby about this. Like this isn't just the housewarming for you guys. This is a celebration of your relationship. And I felt like it was a good celebration. I'm gonna crack Cody. That's so sweet. Wow. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's absolutely true. It was even though we. It's okay that we moved a little slower than maybe some other couples. And even though I think if we had waited any longer, I would have actually like gone crazy over it. But yeah, yeah I it did it does really feel like a huge milestone. And even though it hasn't been perfect, it hasn't been that 
beautiful sleepover with your best friend every night type of situation. It it really does feel different in a great way. Like we are, our relationship has this legitimacy to it. That's like things really are very serious. And it's not to say if you're not living with your significant other, then you're not serious with each other because of course that's not true. But when you live together, it does just add this whole other element. Yeah, you got some validation of that picture you saw. Essentially, yeah. And I, I think that's that's great that you recognize, you know, you don't need to compare yourself. But at the same time, you, you got a little bit of your cake to eat. And that's that's good. You know, you, you should be excited about that. Um, so one thing I do want to talk about, turn it into a different direction, is when you came over here, you said you're having a conversation the other day. And this is the dark side, the darkest <laughs> dark side of relationships. Yes. Um, it's an interesting conversation that I had with some friends. Um And one of them had said that he thinks all men are cheaters, just like naturally cheaters. Obviously, not every man is going to cheat because, of course, not every man has cheated in a relationship. But actually, that's not true. Every 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 single single man has cheated. cheated. Yes, literally every man. Um, But, you know, what he was trying to say was that if given the opportunity, like if the stars were all correctly aligned, um then every man would cheat in that opportunity. That men are just, like, innately prone to cheating. Um, Which was interesting. I think you could get into, like, some ideas about the patriarchy when it comes to that. Like, men are sort of raised to believe they have this entitlement. Um, I I wasn't really sure how I felt about that. You know, I definitely wasn't one of the people saying, like, oh, there's no way that's true. Like, my boyfriend or my husband is perfect and he would never do such a thing. Because I think in a sense, like, he was kind of getting somewhere interesting. Well, I think to some degree, like, I mean, you can obviously do psychological studies, like, and they have, you know, who's more likely to cheat and what scenarios. But on some level, I'm a big believer that if you do align the stars, you can get somebody to do anything. Yeah. Like, I think, I fully believe that you could get someone to commit murder if you put, like, just the right, like, you know, there's movies where it's, like, this simple man becomes, like, you know, this superhero and saves his family. It's like, maybe it's not like a movie, but, you know, if somebody took something that really precious to you, you might be willing to do anything. Um, Now, that might not be true. There might just be someone who's just so against it and they're just like, that's just, you know, that horrible thing happened and that's just how it's going to be, but I cannot commit murder. But there is some belief, though, that, yeah, things are perfect. That's what perfect means. Like, it's going to happen. I don't, I don't, think I would ever cheat. I've never cheated before. I don't think I've been cheated on, but that's up for debate if you ask some of my (laughs) friends about this one relationship. But I wouldn't be surprised if somebody cheated on me because it's apparently a pretty common thing. Mm -hmm. But it just adds another layer of fear and insecurity. Like, everybody wants to make sure they're not cheated on because it's that that one thing that, like, you, you hope first that you have the strength that if somebody cheats on you that you break it off which is not always the case. I know a lot of people have been cheated on, they go back. But then some people will say, like, do you always have to automatically, is that, like, should that automatically be the thing that you do if somebody cheats on you? Like, no excuses, you should always break up with them? I don't know that answer, really. But I think in my case, like, that's something that I know is going to nag at me forever. I'm very much that person who just holds on to things I shouldn't. Like, my one girlfriend, like, we broke up, and it was just, like, a breakup and a fight that never should have happened, and we got back together the next day, but overnight, we weren't together, 
she went and made out with a guy at a party. And you know what? That's her right as a single person. But I felt really hurt by that. Yeah. And it was something I held on to when we finally broke up, like, for good. I was like, well, at least I can let that go. Yeah. yeah. And that that's, again, another flaw in me. But, like, getting cheated on, I would just always think, like, this could happen again. Or this person, just something about me didn't keep them faithful. And, again, those are insecurities on my side. But you don't have to put yourself through that when somebody else hurt you. Now, are there people who have done it? Maybe, yeah. Maybe some people have stuck with it and it was the best decision they ever made and they grew from it. But for me personally, like, I just know that's going to be like the woodpecker on my head all day. Yeah. And I, I actually talked to Bobby about this theory. And of course, he was like wildly offended by it. Like, <laughs> I would never do that. What are you talking about? That's crazy. And then he actually told me that um, a, f- a couple nights ago, or a couple mornings ago, actually, I was, you know, getting ready for work, doing my makeup, and Bobby just, like, woke up in bed and looked at me, and he was like, are you okay? And it was so weird. I was like, yes, like, go back to sleep, and he did. And then last night when I was talking to him about this cheating theory, he said to me, I actually had a dream the other night <laughs> that someone was really trying to push me to cheat on you. And I didn't do it. And that's why when I woke up, I asked you if you were okay. Because, like, I thought I was still in the dream and I thought you were really mad at me. Because I almost cheated on you when I did it. I was like, okay, sure. Like, very weird. Um, And then, you know, it was kind of funny because I actually have had dreams, like, where I've cheated on him before. I don't know what that means, but I did tell him that. And then he kind of turned it around. I'm like, oh, well then. I guess men aren't the cheaters here. Hmm. At least I'm faithful to you in my dreams. And, there was, and in real life. <laughs> well, there is that question, too. Of like, what's the threshold? What is cheating? Yeah. Is it sex? Is it a kiss? Is it flirting? Is it cheating in your dreams? Yeah. I hope not. Otherwise, I, I'm in a lot of trouble. I, I think the dream's fine. I thought <laughs> I'll give you a pass in the dream, I think. I think I'd be upset if I found out my girlfriend was, like, talking to someone a little intimately but as long as it didn't get, like, overtly sexual and no pictures were shared, I'd probably be fine with it. But I think once physical contact's in, you know, that's cheating. What kind of pictures are we talking about, like? I'm saying if there's provocative pictures, mm. if if anybody's, like, genitalia is out at all, that's that's for sure. But that there's still, out. like, a line of, like, lingerie. I, I think I kind of get an idea of where you're going with yeah, this. Yeah, a little but strange. It, <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things, like, uh, the old quote about pornography, I applied to cheating, it's like, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Like, that's that's yeah, kind of how that's cheating great. it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and everybody's got their own threshold. Like, I, you know, there are people that are, like, they have their open relationships. They're like, oh, my my partner can dance with somebody at a club. Like, that's fine. That's not cheating because they're just having fun and dancing. But I know I'm one of those people that's insecure. I was like, no guy's dick should be good to your butt. Only, right. only this one. Like Getting, like, visibly angry just thinking about Bobby dancing <laughs> with another woman. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, and, I mean, there are some people who will even go so far to say that flirting is basically, like, cheating, which is, I definitely don't agree with that because I, you know, put enough drinks in me and I definitely have, like, a flirty personality. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, it's never in my head that I would cheat, ever. Yeah, and I think, I, I, I think that's forgivable. And I, I, I think it's when flirting is like really consistent but i i like talk to my one friend he's in a great relationship never anything gonna happen but he's got his work crushes he's got his work wife and i think that's fine healthy for him to have and you know some people might be upset about it but he talks about that openly with his girlfriend i mean everybody has like if you're really gonna sit here and say like oh 
I'm in a relationship with someone I love. I don't have a crush on anyone. That's that's a lie. Like, yeah. That's a fucking lie. Of it's, Everybody has crushes on people, of course. That's, it's a problem when you start true. lining up the next person while you're still with the first oh, yeah, person. That's <laughs> but if you have a crush on someone, like, you're going to find people attractive. You're going to get along yeah. with people. And it's fine if you do break up and then you start dating that person because you realize you had a connection. But, yeah, I mean, that that is a, a thin line for people. Some people, you know, it's... And that's where a lot of people, you know, they break up because they're like, I have no freedom because this person wants to check my text or doesn't let me talk to guys. Like, yeah. I've heard those relationships and I'm like, I would never, if anybody ever tells me there's a specific friend I can't talk to, if it's like without some big incident, like, we're done. I'm picking my friends over you. Now, obviously, if that scenario comes up, maybe I do pick differently. But, you know, it's, I think you have to make some rules for yourself and it's just hard because relationships, the love will trick you a little bit sometimes. Yeah, and I I definitely know some people, have some friends who have those trust issues yeah. in relationships. And it can be like a real killer. And that is for, you know, as crazy as I am in my relationship <laughs> with Bobby, that is one thing that I'm definitely, that I don't have an issue with. Like if he's going to, you know, Bobby would never have an issue with me coming over here and doing yeah. a podcast with you alone. But, I mean, also because you guys are really good friends yeah. and you trust both of us. But even if it were like a guy that he didn't know, he he would be okay with that because we have an extremely strong level of trust in our relationship. And, um, you know, I when he there are plenty of times when he goes out without me and maybe he'll meet like some friends at a concert and some of them are girls. And it's, to me, that's just, you have to give your partner space to breathe. Yeah. In a relationship, you have to give them space to do their own thing, to hang out with people who maybe you don't always hang out with. Because if you don't, it's just going to be completely exhausting, and you're going to end up resenting each other. No, I completely agree. And I've I've been out with Bobby at a concert where we met up with some friends. It was girl, and he's a little handsy. I mean, I thought that was weird, but other than that, no, I'm kidding. You almost it got is, me. I'm kidding. You almost got me for a second there. <laughs> No, no, he was a perfect us. gentleman and very much. <laughs> I'm gonna text. I'm gonna him. call him right now. Who's this skank? He did call me, but it's okay. fine. I of course all the time. Well, I I think you know. You have a very healthy mindset about relationship, but you you kind of got to the point today. It's like there's still mental things that just you, it doesn't matter how good a relationship you have. Like we're still all beings. You don't need to have mental illnesses to feel the uh, the behavioral, the perception, just the that mental breakdown that you can have because things didn't go your way. And, you know, I'm very glad to know you two as a couple. And I, I hope that one day I'm giving the best man speech. <laughs> Me and Bobby aren't that close. Like, I would like to be at I'll the be wedding. I'll be rooting for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to be at the wedding, but I don't think that I'm on best man track quite yet. Um, but no, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, while you're here, do you want to plug Twitter or do you want to keep your mystery alive? I'm going to tag you either way, so you definitely... You can, you'll tag me. That's <laughs> fine. I don't need to say my handle out loud. Okay. Those of, those of you who know me, you know where to find you me. You got quite a following. You know, you're <laughs> the media um, controller of the Mom's Blogger Club, right? Yes. Ma, I have not been fired from... Uh, I don't even remember what it's called. Mommybloggers.com, maybe? A yeah. lot of people on Twitter have tried to get me fired from this this fake yeah. blog that I work at. Which is great. It's a real blog, but... Yeah. I kind well, of feel bad for them. I hope they get a lot of... <laughs> they get a lot get of hate mail for somebody yeah. they've never heard of before. <laughs> but yeah, so I want to thank you for being on the podcast. Um, I want to thank everybody who's listening. You can follow me at CodeRan on Twitter and also at Neurotica the Pod, which is the podcast Twitter. Uh, back from vacation and hopefully sticking to that weekly schedule. So thank you for listening.